Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. I give a shit. I give a shit. It's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Fuck that shit. You know what? I I just want to let you know that this is what I posted today for Valentine's Day for all you guys or all I mean, all you humans out there who are being uh, flogged with Valentine's Day that may not be relevant in your particular case. I spent I hand sewed hand made uh, this very meticulous pillow that said uh, Valentine's Day is just another way of society saying fuck you to people like me. So I made that uh, when I was when I was single, and uh, I used to, you know, being single is actually great for art making. And uh, but I want you to know that, like, I really get it. And uh, even if you do are in a relationship, uh, if it's more than six months, people are always fucking disappointed by Valentine's Day. I don't care who you are. Let's be real, all right? Married, single, whatever. I have one friend who's going out on like a first date. It's probably going to be exciting for her. And that's it. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. So anyway, um, I have um, a really special guest today. Um, uh, his name is Ralph Lear. And uh, he was brought here, or I got to meet him through his... Um, a brand manager, Megan Davenport, who I met in person, and she listened to one of our shows, Amy Hill's Amy Hill, because she knows she worked with Amy, and uh, she decided uh, she got she got Lear to get come here today, which I am really really thrilled. Uh, one of the things about Quoted Magazine that is so I first of all, okay, here's why I'm thrilled. First of all, before I met Megan or or um, why am I? Oh my God, Ralph! Ralph, Ralph yes, I got nervous. Well, I got it's because nervous. I'm Norwegian. That's I, I got nervous <laughs> there. Uh, so Ralph, I'm always afraid I'm going to forget names. So anyway, uh, before I met them, I was totally blown away by their magazine. It's really Ralph's magazine. He's the founder of it, and uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, conceptually the. But design-wise, too, the execution is spectacular. It's really like a coffee table book more than even a magazine. I don't uh, – just the the design, the typography, the photography. I mean, uh, you just don't see this kind of thing anymore. So uh, it's really, really – I can genuinely say, even if I had never met Rolf or Megan, that I was – blown away by the magazine. So I am really, really, really uh, honored to have him here, frankly. Thank you. And yeah, um, <laughs> so here's a tease. Before we get started, I have to do the rest of my my uh, my flogging here or whatever. So I want you to stay tuned because this is going to be really great. And I, when I was doing the research on Rolf, I found out that he grew up in Norway on a farm that was a mental institution with 15 actual patients, right? That's right. And I did not know that till today. So this is fascinating shit, man. And now he's somebody that goes out there and his magazine is about uh, finding the most diverse 
Uh, what did you guys say? You said the most di- you celebrate diversity and you contribute to tolerance. So somehow, uh, Rolf has taken that uh, initial uh, life of uh, being around these crazy, weird, you know, mentally uh, mental patients, and I think that it really sparked his fascination with human nature and the ability of what humans are capable of and all this other amazing shit. So fucking stick around. Okay. This is going to be great. Let me just get my housekeeping over with. I've got two really great things that I want to tell you about. One is this really fabulous program. It's called outside the lines and it's a monthly art program for adults. Okay. And holy fucking shit. It was yesterday. Oh my God! Can you believe this? You, this this is really stupid. Do you guys still want to be on the show? Look at this. Could be We're leaving. Bye. I, Bye. Potentially embarrassing. <laughs> but anyway, you know what? I think this is an ongoing program, and um, I think it's uh, it's a monthly program. So, like, let's let's just finish that. Finish with that, and it takes place every month at the Bushwick Library Auditorium. And it's for artists who are looking to create and connect with other artists in a relaxed setting um, to do crafts and art projects. And you can bring, and it's just a great brand new art making program just for adults at the Brooklyn Public Library. I'm going to give you a phone number and then you can just fucking figure it out yourself. All right. 718-602-1348. That's 718-602-1348. One three four eight. I'll post it on my Facebook page if you somehow get lost and can't find it. And I also um, have a song I want to play. Maybe we'll save us to the half an hour, huh? Because I want to get started. But Gift Shop, which is a great band that was on uh, the Roden Hour this week, is having their record release or whatever you call it. E- what do you guys call it? EPs? At Coney Island Baby, which is a really awesome place in uh, 169 Avenue A. And that's at 8 p.m. on February 16th. And it's uh, $10. But they're a really, really awesome band and really great people. And they were on the road an hour this week. which So you should listen to them and, and check them out. And I'm going to be playing their song today at some point. But I just want to get into this conversation, okay? Because let's do this. So, okay, Rolf. Yes. Hi, First Lisa. of all, uh, Rolf and Megan. Rolf is from Norway, mm-hmm. and he 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 has. How long have you lived here? Well, it's uh, my third year now. Did you learn English in uh, in school when you were growing up? I did. Okay. Yeah. So his English is is he's he says it's a little questionable. So well, if I drink, of- if I have drinks, it gets a lot uh-huh. better. But uh, uh, well, we're not drinking. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> I I should drink. A lot of people do drink on their shows, but this is two in the afternoon, and it would be a really dark hole. To I agree. Down. So uh, that's partly why Megan is here, but because Ma- Megan's gonna, she's the brand manager. She's gonna make sure he, that Rolf doesn't fuck up, and if he yeah. does, she's gonna be there. Yeah, I'm gonna clean it all up and say exactly what he really meant to say. Right? <laughs> of course, of course. It's so great that he's Norwegian, so you can just use it. Well, he didn't really. 
mean to say that. No. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. meant what he meant was that. So we got we got them both here, but we're going to really focus on Ralph. I also want to tell you, Ralph is really hot. Oh you, wow! You think so, Thank you. People yes, think he's, he's absolutely really attractive, and yeah, I get right? told a lot that really people, people are after yes, Ralph. Or they, they like Ralph. Do they ask if he's single a lot? The women ask if he's single a lot, yes. The women do. Yes. Well, you know, I think everybody would think Rolf's hot. The thing is about Rolf, uh, you're not here, so I got to tell you. Um, yeah, he's really hot. <laughs> he, he's also totally into his, this project. I mean, you know, I have a l- brief interview with all my guests before I get on the show. And this guy, this is... I really, really, I mean, what did we say? Did I say that there's 2 million, 2.3 million travelers? uh, And it's in uh, four airlines and airport lounges, select hotel in New York City and lifestyle destinations. So, I mean, people are are digging this, but it is really a passion project that, you know, sometimes, folks, you do run across somebody who has a passion project that other people are really excited about. <laughs> okay, this is our proof here. So I thought, you know, when I first started out today doing my research, I thought that we were going to really talk about the magazine. But when I hit on the fact that Rolf grew up in uh, Norway in a mental, uh, in a farm with that had mental patients, we just, I just can't, I just have. We're just going down that road. I'm I'm thrilled to be doing that. Uh, and I think that, so the magazine, every month or whenever it comes out, it's 10 interviews of different New Yorkers that Rolf curates, right? right? This is exactly what we're doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, what do you, what, how do you, what, what interests you? What interests you about New York in particular? What interests you about the people that you've, you know, talk to. Yeah, I mean, um, Norway, for those who doesn't know too much about Norway, it is a very wealthy country. And so we can be very happy about that. But then there's also something very homogeneous about Norwegians. Um, so it has a lack of creativity. It has a lack of innovation. And I sometimes think it lacks a little bit of uh, passion and drive. It's fucking boring like the suburbs in America. That's fucking what you're saying. Fucking boring. Right? <laughs> Have you been there, Megan? I haven't been there, no. Okay. And so, you know, first time that I came to visit New York, uh, it's something that just hits you when you get here with the diversity of people and the energy that's here. It's a little bit of a cliche to say, but I think cliches are made for a reason. and. That is why I fell in love with New York in the beginning and was interested in exploring more. Like, what is this whole shebang about New York and being a New Yorker? What is it really? So New Yorkers are really... So you're a really well-traveled guy. You've been to, you know... You, 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 we, we agreed before we got on here that you are a world traveler. We've, we've gone over this. You are world-traveled. Yeah. But New York, really, out of all the places you've been, you think the people here are particularly unique. Mm -hmm. And it's good that you say people because, I mean, for comfort, for whatever other things you're traveling for, New York is a fucking boring, (laughs) nasty place. It's horrible. It's horrible. That's why the um, people are great, right? Exactly. Like, the people is what draw me here. There's Barcelona, Copenhagen. There's other cities around the world that I really dig for other reasons. But New York particularly is for the people Mm -hmm. itself. And what what catches your 
your your mind about um, a particular person? Like, what kinds of things? Oh, say that question again. This is where my Norwegian gets a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, come on. Maybe my English. I don't know. <laughs> so, why do you choose a particular person? Like, what mm, element? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you're treating me like I'm a retard, huh? Uh, <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, no. honey, we can get much further down that oh, road. Oh, wow. Okay, no, I you can't haven't wait. seen anything yet. No, we're, um, still being re- we're still on the being respectful here. Well, I mean, for the magazine, it is all about trying to embrace as much of the diversity as possible. And diversity is on so many levels and parameters. It's about geography. It's about profession, ethnicity. It's about sexual orientation. It's about, you know, all of these things. Diversity. Diversity. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think growing up on that farm with the mental people and like being around freaks all the time is what you kind of like about New Yorkers that kind of feel comfortable to you like the yeah. like the people you grew up with? Yeah, definitely. I mean, growing up on a mental institution uh, made me very early on tolerant to different ways of thinking. And well, yeah. I was going to say, I think it's a lot more than tolerance. I think you have a, um, I don't, a connection. I think you have an emotional. Um, I mean, it, to me, it sounds like you have an emotional connection to these people. That there's some kind of love or compassion or identification with weirdos. Yeah, I mean, I what I can get really angry if the society is trying to define what's normal and not normal. I think there's both normal and unnormal in every single person. So it's more seeing the person that's there and listening to what they are and their mm-hmm. story. Um, so do, yeah, if I like to be around freaks and I like to be around normal. any kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if I was gonna, um, if I was gonna uh, judge you superficially, I would say like you seem like really normal to me. But mm. you know what I mean. Besides mm-hmm. the fact that you're a foreigner, yeah. But do you do you think that's true, Megan? Do, do people do people view Rolf as a normal guy? Do they do they tr- at first glance? Yes, yeah. I would say so. And yeah. and you look like you're disappointed about that, Rolf. Nah, I'm not disappointed. I understand that I'm perceived as someone that looks normal but I mean that's also because uh, I don't know I, I'm i kind of privileged I guess to be seen as normal sometimes Yeah. because then you can surprise people by showing other sides mm-hmm. of yourself mm-hmm. right and you can get into private parties easily definitely. exactly there's and easy you know, access I was going to say <laughs> that um, I was going to say that you know um you have an incredibly successful passion project. And I think that also uh, deserves a certain amount that probably elicits being taken seriously from people that meet you, especially through the work you do. So I would imagine that is part of it, your actual achievements. Yeah. Yeah. People people put that in the category of normal for some reason if you've achieved a lot. <laughs> and I don't get that either. So I want to hear the story. I want to hear like how you grew up and who your parents were and mm. tell us, make us understand the farm situation. All right. So we got to go outside in the suburbs, of course. It's a farm uh, and it's where 16, 15, 16 people, it depends on like the time of the year because people come and go, of course, different diagnoses, they get treatment and then they leave if they are, if they're uh, fresh enough to leave. 
We grew up there, me and my sister and my two parents. It was a very traditional family in that sense. But what was different from any other growing up situation is that we also shared any kind of meal or holiday with then all the patients that lived on the farm. So, so did you eat with them every single day? Yeah, I mean, especially for dinner and for uh, like a meal later on, afternoon meal. Uh, when it was Christmas, we would celebrate Christmas with them or, you know, so, so it was, was all alcohol? one household. <laughs> well, some of them could handle alcohol, some couldn't. And, you know, we would... Like we would have their alcohol uh, stored somewhere and they would come and ask, can we have a drink? Because they needed to Ah, be limited, you know, with how many drinks they were allowed to. So what did your parents do? Like how, how did they get into that business? This is something that has been running in the family for a hundred years or a little bit more uh, because they saw that having patients living on a farm was a better treatment than having them in public institutions because they were, you know, part of farm work, part of household work and just getting small assignments that they could master. So my mother was the one who was inheriting the whole farm situation. Well, and then she grew into that. I mean, she also grew up the same way that I did. And you get kind of environmentally damaged or environmentally blessed, I guess. That's two sides of the same Occupational therapy, we call that in America. And that's how we used to treat all our mental patients here until we got drugs and Mm. sent them out in the world. And it's really, occupational therapy is a meditation and it's really like a usefulness. I do think that, that is actually the best way to treat mentally. I am all for that. Yeah, yeah. It is really good. And it's, a, you know, it's not practical in our world here. But so your do your parents have any training or how'd your dad get hooked into this? Well, he was the unlucky one who were just falling in love with my mom and he just had to follow on to take this farm take yeah, over the farm. Your mom have training? Are you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, so, she, so she is a psychiatrical hospital, what is it called? Nurse? Yeah, psychiatrical nurse. And my dad is in uh, economics, he's trained in economy. So, you know, the combination of those two makes it pretty, it's pretty yeah, well. Practical yeah, practical. Yeah. Is it, where, where do the patients come from? Is it a government thing? Or? Yeah, the government is because if they can't be in any uh, public treatment, then the government would buy. So it's a private practice kind of situation. Right, right. Uh, but then again, you know, so it's not like uh, the family of the patients would have to pay money for them to be there. Right. It's the government who's taking care of that because that's also one of the good things Fucking about the democracy of Norway. Health care. Yeah, exactly. Fuck that shit, yeah. man. That's great. And I do want to kind of say that, you know, when um, we were living together, like the patients and me and my sister, I didn't see them as patients. They were more like an extended family. And mm-hmm. also the way that I then were um, treating them was more like friends mm-hmm. instead of, you know, being someone that saw them as something strange or weird or, you know, fucked up. And I think that also made the whole situation very kind of, Nice. And I see it now in perspective, also living here, that it's really a unique way of treating people. Oh, it's great. I think yeah. you, 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 you saw it. I haven't seen it up close, but you have, and you think that is a really compassionate way to treat people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, does that like make you sad 
and frustrated when you see how people are treated here, mentally ill people, or you see homeless people? Is it is mm. that hard for you? Because you know you've seen it. Well, it's not hard on an everyday basis. Because you got to live with it. Yeah. So I gotten used to it, and I mean, back to being having traveled quite a bit yeah. like the situation around the world it yeah, is right. pretty true. brutal out there so you can't go around and be sad for everyone you can do the little things when you have something to give or you have time to give or just you know see people in the eye and say hello right because i think a lot of people uh, think that they need to give money i think sometimes you can just look them in the eyes and say you know have a it's, nice day it's really respect <clears throat> isn't it yeah Exactly. Acknowledgement and respect. So did you have um, the infrastructure at the farm? Was it, um, did you have like um, other people? Was it just your parents running this or did you have other experts or people working there? Did you have a staff living there or people came in? How did that work? Yeah. So there is a staff connected to the whole farm situation for, you know, 16 patients. It's impossible for two people to take care of so many people. Um, so yeah, there's a staff and there still is. I mean, now Mm -hmm. my sister has taken over the whole business and uh, it's a staff of five people. Then there's doctors and psychiatrists who's also connected. But they don't all live there. Oh no, they don't live there. They come and work. They come and work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were they like family to you too, or? Some of them, you know, some of the older women who, uh, worked there since I was a baby boy. And then, uh, when I grew up, I grew up with them in a way and they would bake cookies and, you know, mm-hmm. give. But you didn't get to know them the way you got to know your. No. It, it was different. They it, had a different, they had more boundaries. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So how would somebody, what kind of mental illness or what were the criteria that they would wind up with your family? It was a lot of uh, diverse clientele. So it's schizophrenia, manic depressive, uh, bipolar, um, anxiety, strong anxiety. Uh, nowadays, it's more like drug drug related. So it's drug combined with something else mm-hmm. or a drug that triggers something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a good mix of uh, mm-hmm. people and situations. Situations. <laughs> so were were a lot of the people. Some of the people weren't um, like reality. They weren't reality based people. Mm-hmm. Were most of them not reality based, or just a few? I would say it was like half and she half. Speaks you know, very well. By the way, oh thank Sorry, you, I thank you. You're looking at Megan like I'm not here, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I it was. Um, you know, some of them didn't even have a foot in reality and would come up to me as a little boy and tell me that he was just in a meeting with the king in his underwear. And then it was kind of like that that was just a normal situation. And you had to talk to them about that. But at the same time, try and get them back to reality a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or some were also stuck in childhoods and would be singing, you know, childhood songs, even though they were 45 years old mm. and doing those movements uh, around like some kind of gestures that they had wow. learned at childhood. So you had those and then you had those that were there. They could have actual conversations with. So it was a mix. Next. Well, how did your parents explain this all to you? What was the, well, what they, was, they, they, how they, was it, how was what was their attitude as far as like your role as their children? What was, what yeah, well, of, of course, you? they didn't have to explain anything because I grew up right, with this. Right. But I mean, when uh, I as a kid, of course, I didn't understand all the limits. So 
I could play around in the house and do things that maybe weren't that thoughtful, uh, like, you know, building a castle with all the interior and then blocking their, the common space for all the patients, like those kind of things that I didn't think about. And then, of course, my parents had to correct me and say, you know, mm-hmm. this is a space for everyone and mm-hmm. you got to you know, clean this space now. Right. So right. it was more that way that they... More about being polite. Yeah. Or, or considerate. Yeah. But were there any, like, I mean, um, a lot of parents, like if somebody's coming and talking to you about stuff that's not real, like how did they, how did they, how did they handle the schizophrenics with you? How did they, or was mm-hmm. it just that you instinctually kind of knew and you were cool with it? Well, so I was cool with it but there was one situation that i do remember today mm-hmm. and that was uh, a guy that he was um, it's a it maybe the most norwegian famous norwegian band called a uh, well aha and they have oh, take yeah. on me yeah, yeah, yeah. you know he was uh, mailing with morten harket which is the lead singer oh, wow. so they would be like mailing back and forth not like today's internet mailing letter, but letter. Uh, by shipping letters. Mail. letters yes letters letter writing. um wow. and then one day he asked me this patient to come up to his room because he had something he wanted to show me that he had gotten from morten harket so i came up to his room and then he was sitting with his back towards me i turned around and he was sitting there with his penis in his hand uh, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of situation is something that's not okay and something sure. where my parents had to go in and talk to me about what had happened and mm-hmm. also to him uh, because it was, uh, it, it didn't feel dangerous because I knew him, but it was just very weird. How old were you? Eight, nine, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it feel frightening in any way? No, no, not frightening. I was just surprised and I ran down and I told my parents oh, you what told had them happened. Right away. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you felt comfortable doing that, which yeah, is which is a course. good sign. And um how did they handle it? They ha- they Well, they talked to him about but what were they, had did happened. they go like oh I'm like they weren't like my mother going, Oh my god. No, no. They were no, just no. like cool about it. It's yeah, about, like, I mean this is part of the package. If you are uh-huh. growing up in a place like that, uh-huh. it will be situations that are different. So it wasn't feel like it wasn't anything threatening. Yeah, so it was just cool another norm un, unnormal situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what's so fascinating to me right now, thinking about thinking about it, is that um, you your mother grew up in the same situation, so she actually has a really healthy or let's say a tolerant is a word, but also just an innate. Sense, I'm guessing it sounds like she has a real innate sense of how to deal with these people, and she was able to transfer that on to you in a way without like making, yeah, like she knew how to manage her kids because she knew what it was like for her, of course. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And 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 would you do you ever think about taking over the farm or having you don't you don't have an interest? What about your sister? Yeah, well, she's now the one who's running it, so Uh, my parents just were retiring, like last summer mm-hmm. uh, so my sister is the one who is now taking it making it her own modernizing it a little bit and then 
going to move on in the uh-huh. same soul that it always has been. Are you are you happy about that though? Yeah, and, and I love coming she... back there just yeah. to visit and also to get my fingers or foot or whatever you say in English to be put more down to real needs and see what real people the perspective you exactly. like getting that perspective. Yeah, because here in New York you sometimes forget about real needs and real not real people because we're all real people. But we're all also very high up in Maslow's need pyramids where mm-hmm. we want to accomplish things. Yeah, we've got passion projects, for exactly. God's sakes. We're not looking <laughs> we for food. We've got fucking passion projects. And don't forget that, you idiots who are working on your art or whatever. It is a privilege because you got enough food. You can think about that shit. Okay, I'm just going to do my station ID here. Because uh, I want to remind people that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn and it's Dr. Lisa Give a Shit. I'm here having this fascinating conversation with Rolf Lear, who is the the founder of Quoted Magazine. That's quotedmagazine.com at quoted mag under, uh, Instagram or social media at quoted underscore magazine. Uh, and uh, we're talking about him growing up on a farm with mental patients. Fascinating. So stick around. But I just want to tell you that, um, you know, this this is actually a really important time for radio because we're in we're in a shitstorm out there and uh we need all we need to support nonprofits and we need to support radio and we need to support sp- free speech. So go to our website radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate and give us a valentine's day present just a small one but you know what if you do that it'll be like really good karma and uh no matter how shitty because everyone secretly is afraid of having a shitty valentine's day it will make it good because you will have done something worthwhile and you can feel good about yourself that's my advice let's see i am a good shrink Word. Fake shrink. So I want to hear like some stories. I want to hear Rolf. I want to hear it dimensionalized what it was like at the farm. Can you like give us like some description of maybe a dinner or what it was? Did your did? Let me ask you one more question. Did did you have perspective on how it's sounding so weird? I'm going to say weird. Did you have perspective on that? Like, did you go to like at school? Was it different? What was it like at school? Well, I mean, uh, it was different to take friends to the farm because that's when I really understood the special situation that we grew up in. Mm-hmm. Because they would, of course, have a lot of questions and some of them would be scared because these people were right. acting differently. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's how I got the perspective and understood really what I was part of. Oh, from other people visiting you. Were yeah. they, what was it? Did people at school look at you funny because of it or did no. not matter? No, you, More with uh, curiosity, uh, they, I they guess. They thought you were cool. <laughs> oh, oh, it's probably a coolest nah, factor. What do you I think, Megan? They I weren't, it wasn't. A, but you know, it's so weird. You know, what's so weird about you, Rolf, <laughs> your existence is your being, is that like, you're like this, at least on a superficial level, personally, like very normal person, but you are like, um, you are one, you are one with the crazy people. And so it's almost like you're a representative 
of the crazy people. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you're you're almost like their ambassador in yeah, a way. Well, Do you I'll take feel that like as a compliment? That? Yeah. Does that make sense to you, Megan? Oh, I totally get it. Does yeah. he play like, that role? Kind of like a spokesperson. Yeah, for the crazy well, people. Well, he does. We do say we're democratizing the voice of New York, so I suppose that kind of goes true. with that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we need you desperately. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so um, so you got that perspective. Did did anybody's parents not want their kids coming to your place? Or? Nah, they yeah. knew, you they know, I came well from a very small school. We were eight people in my class, you know, that's the situation oh, in Norway. So... All the parents knew each other. They knew what was happening uh, at the farm. And so they would actually send their kids there so we could all hang out and go horseback riding or whatever. Did you have a, horses and, and animals? Yeah, and that was like part that? of the whole, oh, you know, man. therapy thing was having animals at the farm. Uh, so it was care a, of them. yeah, definitely. So what was like, describe, describe some of the scenarios. I mm-hmm. keep asking you that, but I, I'm dying to hear, like, tell us, tell us like a dinner or anything. Okay. What comes to mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick and choose. So uh, I'll take, you know, like typically a Christmas dinner where uh, we all were sitting together on a long table. So it would be like 24 to 30 people of us because it would be all the patients. Then it would be my family mm-hmm. and then my mother's side of the family as well. Every year we were almost betting for how long the Christmas dinner was going to be before some of the patients would burp because that is how fast they are eating or it, were eating. Crazy people eat faster? Well, at least the crazy people that were living at my farm or our farm. So My husband's a really fast eater. <laughs> well, maybe he's mentally ill. <laughs> well, he's, he's married to me. I mean, come on. Um, no, and then, you know, it would almost be like a comical thing because... Uh, Christmas dinner, it is great food and it was their favorite meal of the year. So it would usually take like 15 minutes and normally, at least in Norway, I don't know about here, but you sit and you have your Christmas dinner for a couple of hours. But then after 15 minutes, the whole meal would be done and then uh, all the, like most of the patients would be like burping or farting or doing something to acknowledge that this was a good meal and now I'm done. That's hilarious. (laughs) And so how did your family, was that just normal or did you guys laugh about it? Yes, then we were laughing hard because (laughs) this was something that happened every year. And as I said, like we would almost like go in before the Christmas dinner and see like, are we able to sit for 20 minutes this year? Or how long do you think it's going to take before everyone is done and farting and burping? So it's, you know, that kind of situation. That's (laughs) awesome. And what was like a normal dinner, like, you, you know, like during the week? What was normal dinner like there? Uh, I mean, Did normal you eat dinner, with the patients every night or? Well, we were, uh, so it's separated with a kitchen where uh, me and my fa- mom and dad and sister, we would have dinner, but with an open solution so that the patients would sit for in their own little mm-hmm. common space. In their own space. Um. And then we would just, we would eat at the same time. Mm-hmm. And if they needed anything, then we would be there. They could just shout out whatever. So you guys weren't all, you had your separate family. Not completely separate, but more, mostly separate. Yeah, it's very blurred line. Uh, because mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. like separated by a door and the wall. Mm-hmm. It was more like separated by, let's say like a 
half a wall. Yeah. So yeah. 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 yeah like a small. So, so was there ever uh, what I mean? Were there any patients that you particularly got close to, or that you feel like you grew up with, or? Yeah. I mean. Uh, there's someone that's still alive and she has now been living at the farm for 35 years and she uh, is the only one that um, practically your whole life is uh, she has Down's syndrome Ah. so she is belonging to you know she was born with this right but she is really well mixed with everyone else there. And she has for so many years been the queen of the farm. So uh, she's been treated differently. And the other ones have been taking care of her in a very, like, in a very nice, familiar way, if you can say it that way. And she was someone that always were, she calls me still her little boy. Uh, oh, we God. hug and I, when I get home, I lift her up. I take her around the, oh my God. around, what is it called? The, the waist. Yeah, the waist. the waist. And I lift her up and I swirl oh. her around and then we hug each other. And then she calls me, Oh, little boy, you're home. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, I know. That's I know. Megan's much. wiping she her eyes here. Yeah, she's very, and she's, she's a really special person. She is very special. And now she's starting to, you know, get a little bit older, of course, right. and she uh, needs more caretaking. Mm. Uh, so it's uh, just, yeah, it's nice as long as she's here. Uh, to be able to go back and, you know, meet her again and again. Right. So do you think, is she a little more vulnerable because she has like, um, she has a serious genetic learning, really developmental, mental developmental thing. Is she a little less functional than some of the other? I mean, she like the vulnerable (laughs) one there. She, um, but, probably, she's, but she's also been the one who is more mostly eager to help. So with any kind of meal, with any kind of cleaning up, uh, oh, with wow. the, getting things from the basement, you know, because we need big storage rooms. So getting things from the basement, like milk and juice. And she would be like, yeah, I'll do that. And she would oh put on God. the coffee and she would serve people. Now she does less. Uh, but one of the things that she is still doing is every Christmas Eve at 7 a.m. in the morning, her and I meet downstairs and then we go and we get all the presents and we put it under the Christmas tree together. Oh, you're going to make me cry. This is so <laughs> beautiful. Where would you ever have a, 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 a relationship? Like who would, have, that's so beautiful. <laughs> do people's parents, did her parents come? Did you get to know the families of these people? What's that like? Some of them do uh, have family that come there and they love that their kids are there because they've seen them in other environments. So for them, it's like a blessing to come to a place where they don't have to go around and be worried all the time. Yeah. Um, And we invite them to also be there for any of the holidays or so if they want to come, they can just come by. Do you get to know those people? Some of them I get to know better than others. Um, But for example, you know, uh, the Down syndrome girl and her sister, I got to know very well. Mm -hmm. She is dead now, but she uh, was someone that, um, you know, she would almost, she would celebrate Christmas with us sometimes. And she was uh, almost a little bit part of the family. Not, Yeah, yeah, right, right. So was there ever, I mean, I know you had that incident with the guy 
you know, <laughs> that with, guy, the, yeah. with the guy showing you his penis or touching it, whatever. Right. And that, that, that's obviously unpleasant or whatever, not a positive, that's not positive really. But is there ever, was there ever anyone, like as a kid, was there ever anyone that you were like, ah, man, I wish they'd get rid of this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, of course. I had my favorites. Like uh-huh. everyone in any family, you have right. your favorites. And so there was some that... What kinds of things would... Because I, I mean, it's hard for a child. Yeah. Um, Could be. Well, let me think just for a second here. Because you're asking me if there was someone that especially was annoying. Yeah, no, take your time. Take your um, time. We had uh, a couple of them that were really grumpy. And I were not very like, it was just in their nature. They were always grumpy and older and they would shout at me as a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that he was the most annoying one ever. Um, He also had a thing with, um, and this is a word that I don't know in English, where you have a wooden piece of wood and you have to make it more smooth what is it called like sanding. Cool? Oh, sanding yeah so he used sanding. that thing sanding. on his teeth um <laughs> and that was one of his <laughs> that's horrible <laughs> that was one of his things and that was just it was a compulsion yeah sanding his teeth down that's interesting and it was really annoying because a- you know a grumpy old man using that tool on his teeth making those sounds um, oh, I wanted man. to get rid of him. Yeah. Did you ever complain about him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I complained What'd all your the time. Say? It's not that even though we are now highlighting all the positive parts of growing up like that, of course, there were days when I was just fucking tired of living in that kind of situation I because I wanted a traditional family going on holidays and stuff like that. We never oh, did that. You never went on a vacation? Well, you couldn't take time off? No, my parents were totally dedicated for quite some time and then uh, we would go like for a week or something uh, mm. somewhere, but that would be it. I was going to ask you about that next actually. I was wondering about that if you felt as a child like how this would, I mean I'm just curious how it affected you as a child because I was wondering if you ever felt like you had to share your parents with all these non-family members and stuff like that. How was that? Mm. Me and my sister, we've been talking about it after we grew up. Um, and we never really had like any anger towards parents or my parents while we were growing up. It was more those situations where we wanted to go on holidays or just... Uh, go and visit other families uh, for Christmas, for example, or other like uh, New Year's Eve, something like it was more clusters of situations. It wasn't something like ongoing. Mm -hmm. It was, it was pretty much just, Mm -hmm. yeah. But you never, did you ever feel like, oh, they like that patient better than me or that patient (laughs) is getting like to do this and with my parents and I'm not. Nah. No, no, I would say that they were very good with how they, uh, they treated handled. me and my sister. Wow. So we were allowed to do a lot of things that I'm not going to share here as well. <laughs> what does that mean? No, it was also like those things as a kid where we would build a um, little hut up in the trees, you uh-huh. know, and then we would take these small peas and we would throw them at the patients. <laughs> You know, those oh, that's kind of so things. So you. <laughs> but 
It's not okay to say that out in public, but I... I love it. it. Was, it was... Oh, God. Thank God. You're a fucking human, man. Right. <laughs> really? So you, so you could play games on this. Exactly. That's awesome. We, we did that. We did that. We also played hide and seek. And then, you know, me and my cousin, especially, we would ask someone who was schizophrenia to <laughs> count to a hundred... And then we would stand directly behind their back. So when they were done, we would start talking to them and saying things like, <laughs> we're here, we're here. It was That was maybe the most evil thing that I wait, ever did. Wait, wait, wait. Do you get that, Megan? I didn't yeah, get that. I know. It was it. almost like... I Megan, it. you explain it. Oh, what you a translation? <laughs> I mean, he means that, you know, they'd say we're going to play hide and seek. And they'd make the person count. And then when they open their eyes, that Rolf would be directly behind their shoulder whispering, we're here, I'm here, da, da, da. Oh, to make them paranoid? Them. Yes, yes. Oh, paranoid schizophrenics. Did they, how'd they react? Did it get, did it get them? No, oh, they, I, they love to play with us. So ah. this was just an act that we in retrospective have been understanding that that's really not okay. But as a kid, we didn't know that this was something bad. But, you know, we, now well, talk and have fun with all the stories and then we're like jesus christ that's well, really not good what i love <laughs> is the way that you were able to kind of internalize their personalities and what their deficits were without having to really be told or t- you and you really and also like the way that you saw their um whatever their quirks as nor like you kind of normalized them by doing that right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, definitely. Which That's... is so interesting. Well, yeah, thank you. I yeah. uh, appreciate that so, you are interested in the story. Yeah. Are you so do you feel like kind of grateful that you were brought up that way? You feel like you were really pr- that was a privilege oh, in a way. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does do you think uh, her mother feels that way? About her? Well, she being had the same up? experience that you did. Um, yeah, I mean, it was even more wild back then when she grew up on the farm yeah. because then it was a more aggressive patient and they didn't have any kind of medication because, uh, right. you know, now still, even though they grow up on the farm and they get treatment through their small assignments, right. they still get balanced with a little bit of medicine. Right. But so when my mom grew up, person. it was just no medicine and the, some of the patients were really what crazy. would you hear? What would you hear? Oh, I went, come on, come on. Well, yeah, I'm trying to remember just but, so I can share what, something that's interesting. <laughs> what, do, you, do you think it was scary for her? No, it was similar to my own experience that it was such a just an integrated part of growing up that it wasn't scary. It was uh-huh. just an everyday thing. But I remember my grandfather told me that he had to, because back then it was allowed to, you know, sometimes they had to put the patients in their room and then just lock the door because they were so aggressive. There were no other way to uh, to kind of calm them down. Of course, nowadays you can't do that. But then this is 50, yeah. 50 well, years back. Yeah, very. So how did your whole family get started in this crazy business? So if... Um, there is a public mental hospital where my family has its farm. A little bit more than 100 years ago, that was overcrowded with patients. So they had to put patients out somewhere. Mm-hmm. Then they asked my family's farm or my grand-granddad, 
uh, if your they... great grandfather had like a regular farm with animals. Yeah, exactly. So they were asking if he could, for some time, just have a few patients staying at the farm. Mm-hmm. Then, after you know a few years, they saw that it was actually efficient. That it had some therapeutic, oh, therapeutic, therapeutic, wow. therapeutic. How do you say that? Therapeutic. Therapeutic. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. You're welcome. <laughs> um, effects. And so that's how it all started with this kind of green caring and green therapy. So it started without any real professionals or any kind of like scientific medical. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then how did it, deb- it, now it's like probably a certified medical facility, right? In some way. Oh, it yeah. I mean, it's, it, oh, yeah. It's and you have doctors go, and nurses. Go through a lot stuff. of, so what, who, who, who went through that? Was that your grandparents or your well, it's been, you know, going through phases where in the beginning there was one room, bedroom could be shared by six patients, you know, and nowadays everyone is going to have their own bedroom. And then you have medicine courses that everyone needs to take mm-hmm. to be qualified to give out medicine. You need to have nurses, you need to have facilities. So it's always something new to make but, sure. But somebody yeah. in your family must have made that decision that like this like we're we're all in on this. Yeah, this is not not going to be just a like a dairy farm. We're 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 into like doing this. And so, how do you think that happened? Hey. I think that totally just evolved. I don't think there was like one, one moment day, when someone yeah. said we're just going to go all in. You think yeah. it just happened over time? Yeah. Wow. 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 Well, Megan, have you heard these? You haven't heard these stories. No, I I know about the situation, but I've never heard anything in detail. This is really fascinating. I'm like thinking about, wow, I wonder if there's anything that I haven't covered. What do you think? Here's what I want to know. I want to know, like, I want to hear Rolf. I asked you a question that I answered. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) So anyway, Rolf, here's what I want to know. I want to know, because I'm so filled with the experience and I'm like, it's really emotional it's really making me feel compassion. Like I, I've had, you know, I've had my mental problems for God's sakes. My father actually, to be honest, was hospitalized with depression a couple of times. So I, I seen it up close and this compassion for people and like what's, what human beings are capable under the, like the right circumstances is really, really, really moving. So I'm just kind of filled with that right now. But I was wondering, we've got 10 minutes left, if you could help us understand, if you can, all that, whatever that is that you, you got from growing up that way and how that translates into what you're, who you are now, what you're doing with your pod, project today. Can mm, you give us a mm. little, like yeah. what, where, where <clears throat> you're thinking about what you do now has mm. come out of that? So I think it is a combination of me growing up at the farm and being exposed to the normal, unnormal situation and having more of a a definition of that, which is uh, that we're all similar. You need to see the person in front of you and not any kind of labor, labor, Mm -hmm. label. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, the combination of that and also exposing myself to environments where... uh, or also to expose myself to work that demands that I'm curious and listening and uh, interested in individuals and people. That combination is what is my strength and what is now manifesting in quoted 
Um, do, I, yeah. Do you think that there's something inherently fascinating about these people who are mental patients and you're kind of looking for that out in the world and other people? Well, I sometimes think that we all want to be listened to. And especially if we're talking about New York, because everyone wants to tell their story and want to try and compete with who has the best story. So if you sit down here and you're actually listening, not just hearing, but listening, then um, I think you can help anyone to become a better person, uh, both mentally, be more present or be more satisfied so you want to help people do you ever feel guilty about not being on the farm that you're like i mean you are doing a lot of great work i mean there's no question about it but do you ever feel like that um i like you're i mean what you're doing you still have a real drive to help people oh yeah which definitely. you did on the farm yeah but do you ever feel like do, is there something about that i'm wondering if mm-hmm. maybe you're missing some of that or you long for that feeling Did you have a real feeling of purpose being on the farm with those people? Yeah, and that's also why I go back, you know, every half year. Uh I go back there and Mm -hmm. I even, you know, I help my sister out now when I go back uh, Mm -hmm. because I need to go to that environment to get grounded and be reminded of where I come from. So, yes, it does. uh, I sometimes miss it and I also miss the... um, I don't know, like it's something about caring and helping people in that way, uh, yeah. which is so, it has a direct um, consequence of right. being there. Right. You know, when you help people out in the urban development cities, then yeah. it's not as direct how you right. help them. Right, right, And also there was something I was going to say, which is that, what was I going to say? I had this thought that... Um, You know, it's really interesting. Authenticity is what I was going to say. So like mentally ill people in a certain way are authentically interesting. They're interesting by their whatever, their authenticity, but they're not like we are. I am trying to be interesting or trying to find something interesting or trying Mm. to develop what's interesting about me. They're like interesting without the reward of what it is to be interesting. So yeah. I think that's a really, really, really awesome experience that you had. And I love you for sharing it. I'm feeling really like emotional. How about you, Megan? Yeah, it's definitely emotional. Yeah. 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 It's like, don't you feel like, wow, that's crazy. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have to wrap this up because I got to uh, I got to play the song. We only have a few minutes, but I just want to remind people about how great this magazine is and uh, that um, they should go to quotedmagazine.com or on social media. They can go to at quoted underscore magazine. And um, I think this is really, really, really interesting. And I think it's, I think it is really important work. And I encourage you guys to check this out. I found the magazine. You can see the actual print magazine online. You can also order your own copy. Um, it's $20, which, but you're really buying like a coffee table book. I know for some of you, 
that's $20 you could give to the radio station. I know, I know. But no, it's good. It's all good. It's all part of the same thing. Spend $40 today. Yes, yeah, spend right? $40. <laughs> yeah, t- instead of... I also got... I better acknowledge my husband because you know what my husband did for Valentine's Day? My husband, the procrastinator. Shout out. Love you, Phil. So this is what Phil did. Phil knew that I was going to be on the radio station today. So he actually, we have two staircases that lead to the floor that we live on. And he actually went up the one that he doesn't usually use with flowers because he knew he was late and he wanted to make sure that he ran into me before I came on the air and that he gave me flowers so that I could give him a shout out for the flowers on the air. (laughs) Yes. What a guy. (laughs) Love you, Phil. Love you. So I'm going to play the song. Um, I just want to say thanks again to everybody for listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Uh, I'm at Dr. Lisa Levy SP on Instagram. And I want to play the song from uh, Gift Shop, their new EP release, Big Astoria. The party is going to be at Coney Island Baby. 169 Avenue A, 8 p.m. Tickets are $10 at the door. And this is a song from their album that's going to be released tomorrow called We Want. And I'm going to see if I can make the technology work. Let's hope. Let's see if we can do it. Is that doing it? Let's see. No? This is not doing it. Well, you know what, folks? I'm just going to say, our, uh, it, it is really great. I've heard it. I want you to listen to it. I will post it. But the thing is, is that um, our, our uh, internet is out here at the station today. The one day, the one fucking day, kids, it's out. So there you have it. Anyway... Stick around. I want to tell you who's coming on right after this. It's uh, Elon Danziger. This is such a special day on Radio Free Brooklyn because we got Elon, and that's four to five, and then he's uh, three to four, and then he's followed by uh, Brooklyn Bandstand, which is our local uh, 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 music music shows and music, and that's with Rob Pritchard. And then you know we've also got the station director. Uh, Tom Tenney, who plays, um, I'm going to try and, oh my God, I'm going to blank out on what his show, the name of his show is because he's the station director and I'm kind of afraid of him. <laughs> so uh, I'm, that's what's going to happen. So um, anyway, I just want to say thanks again to you guys for Thank coming you for in having today. Us. Thank you. Yeah. So we've got one minute left. Megan, what do you, what do you think? How's this going for the brand? Oh, it's been great. You think? I think so. We've seen a whole new side of Rolf that we haven't seen before. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I think it makes, I think it's going to like, it's kind of like the story behind the brand a little bit. I was just going to say, it gives some context. It's like the origin story. And the brand is actually so um, beautiful and professional. It's nice to see that there's some like, there's some really like, I don't want to say dark, but there's some kind of mix crazy craziness behind it crazy disorganization and disorganized minds that are baked into there yeah they're baked in they are and they're baked in a raw yeah they're all 
process through me. <laughs> yes, he's the spokesperson. Yeah, yeah, because yes. he's so he's he he.